Welcome to What the If Spooky News. Spooky News. I'm getting a bit of a chill here. Chilly. The chilliest podcast you'll listen to in the next Now, for the podcast of chili recipes, that'd be great. Oh. Yeah. What happened was, see, very spooky. I, all my music disappeared. That's what happened. Who knows? Could have been a ghost. We don't know what happened. All we know is Halloween is coming up, and so we're in a spooky mood. This is what they have news. Uh, the most disciplined journalism you'll find. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this side <laughs> of uh, iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we are here. We, we are a, um, you know, some, it's a pandemic. And so sometimes you just, I think we're all at a place where we're, you know, our brains are, it's just sometimes we just jump the track, jump the shark, jump the track, the needle pops out of the groove. Mm -hmm. And here we are. Um, Matt, how would you describe what is, what is someone who just tuned in WTF is going on? Oh, well, you see, it's important to understand that we have a, uh, uh, a two-pronged approach here, a, a dilemma in the classical Greek, um, mm -hmm. in which uh, one of our branches, um, <laughs> we we start a hoedown <laughs> and invite listeners to join us. And if they're interested, and if they're interested in square dancing, they're good to go. Anything could happen. Anything could, the music is... Uh, actually, I think my skills on the music board are getting worse. <laughs> Well, I should say a lot of the, over over the course of COVID, a lot of my skills have been been dropping. So you're yeah, not alone. yeah, exactly. Um, yes, and uh, Gabby, how are you? Gabby, how would you describe this program? You you have a better sense of it. Um. So basically, because we are currently existing in uh, the COVID nineteen plague, um, we are looking through the news for both truth and nonsense. Yeah. And the goal is to just try to make sense of it. How much of it is actually truth? How much of it is actually nonsense? And how much of it kind of falls in the middle? Because it, it's usually in the middle. Yeah, that's a good way I to put it. I should say truth and nonsense would be an outstanding um, sort of poster tag for our podcast. Oh, truth <laughs> nonsense. So for our swag, yeah. That is good. Write that down. Uh, truth, what is it? Truth <laughs> or nonsense? Truth and nonsense. Truth and nonsense. Definitely both. That's very good. Yeah. Both of them at once. Uh, that, that could also 2020. That's the log line for 2020. Oh, 2020, yeah. truth and nonsense. You figure it out. Um, yeah. And so what we do is we find uh, 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 on Mondays, we, 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 Gabby helps us because she is a virologist at the Rockefeller University uh, doing uh, research into all kinds of nasty, nasty business um, like viruses. Um we uh, look at the headlines that are in the news all over the place, and Gabby helps us understand a little bit, a little bit more. And so, the the uh, here here's an article um, Gabby pointed out to us today that we thought we'd dive into. Uh, this is from NBC News. Uh, the headline is: A rare COVID nineteen complication was reported in children. And if you may remember, I think we did a story about that uh, some time back. Now it's showing up in adults. 
This, quote, this needs to be in the forefront of every intensive care unit physician's mind, end quote, says one expert. So I'll just read a little excerpt here. Uh, this article is by Eric Edwards uh, from NBC. It was a rash uh, that tipped Dr. Elisa Femia off. Femia, Director of Inpatient Dermatology at NYU Langone Health. Shout out to NYU where Matt is. Um, uh, the doctor was looking at a patient's chart, which included several photos of the 45-year-old man who had, in recent weeks, cared for his wife while she was sick with COVID-19. The man had dusky red circular patches on the palms of his hands mm. and the soles of his feet. His eyes were pink and his lips were extremely chapped. Yikes. His, this is, uh, who's the reporter? Erica Edwards, um, really uh, enjoying the vivid descriptions here, but, but it's helpful. It's helpful for science. Uh, his, and Erica continues, his body was erupting yeah. With the kind of extreme inflammation inflammation noted uh, almost exclusively in children at the time. Quote, even, uh, before I even saw the patient, Femia recalled, I said, this hasn't been reported yet. This must, this must be MIS-A. MIS-A stands for Multisystem Inflammatory Syndrome in Adults. When the condition was identified in children this spring, it was named MIS-C, with the C standing for children. Kids were developing dangerous inflammation around the heart and other organs, Yikes. often weeks weeks after their initial infections with SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention alerted physicians to MIS-C in... Gabby, am I pretty... Is it MIS-C, or do you miss... I have been mentally pronouncing it Miss C. I don't know if that's right. I mean, to be perfectly honest, enough scientists, we all pronounce stuff <laughs> right, slightly right. differently, as uh, evidenced by the fact that I will fight someone who says apoptosis instead mm, of apoptosis. So no, that's, that's it's worth fighting over. Yeah. Things, yeah, it's absolutely for less. Yeah. So whatever. C, D, I'm going to give a deep, deep, deep cut here. Shout out to those of a certain age. Miss C, to me, reminds me of Happy Days. This is cutting out. Oh, jeez. So, woo! Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention alerted physicians to Miss C in May as of October 1st. Not that long ago. The CDC had reported, wow, I didn't know so many, 1,027 confirmed cases of Miss C with more cases under investigation. 20 children have died. Wow. Now, only 20, so to speak, in, mm -hmm. in the scheme of things. But, like, I had not heard that reported. 20 uh, In some cases, the children developed rashes, like the one Femia noted in her adult patient. Um, and I'm just going to get down to the, uh, the end. I'm just going to pop down to the end here. And then, Gabby, you can help us uh, understand a bit more. We'll post the link here for the full article if you want to read more. Um, Physicians worry that many missed A patients, as the adults, uh, will go undetected and perhaps untreated. Quote, there's not enough data for me to tell you what the long-term effects of this could be, uh, said the doctor. This may be the tip of the iceberg. That's what I'm worried about. Whoa. Yeah. So what's going on here, Gabby? Yeah, so, so the first thing I want to, like, set forward is, well, yes. two things. One, 
It's not like the virus is mutated. If this is happening, this is a result of just it happening to infect people that are susceptible to whatever this is, this really systemic inflammation Mm -hmm. response. So don't freak out that like it somehow got a new superpower. It leveled up enough um, that it can now do this. Technically, it's been able to do this all along and now we're reaching enough cases where so you is, notice is it. That, is that it's a like, reason not to freak out? No, no, don't freak out. <laughs> it's always, it's always been, been well, horrible. Freak out. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess it's like freak out that like we're still very lax about yeah. infections with SARS-CoV-2, uh, but don't necessarily think that like you're going to get it and your whole body is going to just explode into inflammation. Mm-hmm. Also, too, I really want to drive home. So if you pull up the Lancet um, case study that was published, uh, that, that that this article is referencing, the authors have a lovely line that I really want to say myself. They say, although we caution readers from making broad conclusions from this single case, we report this presentation to heighten awareness of the possibility of a COVID-19 associated Kawasaki-like multi-system inflammatory condition in adults. Basically, they posted this not to be like, oh my God, it's happening, but more to just let other physicians know that, hey, this is something you should probably look out for because if, you know, they didn't know to look, they might, each one of them is going to probably be sort of, I guess you could say mm-hmm. bushwhacking really the treatment. They're, doing it for the first they're time. not really going to know what to, yeah, if everyone's doing it for the first time, then it's probably going to have not great outcomes. Right, so this, coordinated so that, response the graphic right. description of, for instance, the, uh, the, uh, but the, the skin, rashes well on his hands and feet we're saying this is so far the only adult we know of this happening in um so this is the one that was studied and the first one that like someone is definitely thinking that this is is miss a but i think there was another um so there's another expert who's referenced in this um dr hugh cassery uh who's the cassier apologies i'm pronouncing that wrong uh, director of the critical care services um, at North Shore University Hospital. And so he's he's on Long Island. And he was saying that there were patients who were admitted to the ICU with organ failure where they would test negative for COVID-19, but test positive for antibodies, hmm. which kind of, you know, parallels what was happening with Miss C and children where this inflammation surge is happening actually after the infection has been what you might call resolved. The, the virus is, is gone. They have antibodies, but then their body can't shut down the inflammatory response that was turned on to stop the virus. Now, here's, here's a, this is a, perhaps a subtle question, which uh, if it's silly, you can move on. But uh, the fact that they called the first one Miss C, you know, M-I-S-C, children, was it, were, how did they even know to say why did they feel the need to specify children? Did they know that there was an adult one coming? Or did... Uh, oh, why make I, that distinction? I think, yeah, I think it, was, it was rather to point out that it's only it was only appearing in children. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, I'm siding with that. I think it was before it was like, oh, this this seems to be only children. So I guess to separate it, maybe if it, like there was potentially some other multi-system inflammatory disorder that rolled around. And I don't know if there are subtle... Dif- I mean, this is potentially a thing in adults, but we don't have enough data to say that, you know, whether or not they're this, exactly yeah. the same or different. So maybe there are subtle hallmarks of them that are different between right, A and right. C. So Matt, I think there's something here to take. Uh, one thing we can take from this is how uh, 
It's interesting, like Gabby, you were saying, you know, be, be, let's note that this is not a mutation and so forth. But I think that for the public, one of the things is it's just a constant struggle for science communication or for the public to just simply understand science. Is this constantly changing? Right? This is something that comes up again and again and again in science stories, almost always with health, health stories in particular, the fact that things change. Um, so, uh, how, uh, make this a teachable moment. (laughs) (laughs) Um, the, the lesson here is that this is the normal, um, when you get taught science in, you know, junior high school, um, you're taught of taught science as a list of facts that are true about the world. And then you're tested on whether or not you can regurgitate those. Um, if they are done, by the way, but um, science is not done. Um, there's always more and interesting things to do. Um, and, uh, that's not to say you shouldn't have confidence in, um, the fact that the earth is round, for instance, or that, um, washing your hands will help keep you from getting sick. Um, uh, but the normal state of science is in flux and change, um, and finding new and interesting things and figuring out, uh, where we used to be wrong. So it takes kind of a, um, shift in the way you look at the world. Um, you need to, to see science as a dynamic enterprise um, and not just a, a bucket of facts. Yeah. I got to say, one of, the things, one of the things that drives me crazy of, say, 10,000 things uh, this year and about the way um, <laughs> uh, the, the virus has been, the messaging on the virus has been uh, mutated for political gain sometimes, um, is that uh, they'll say, uh, for instance, well, they said masks were no good in the beginning, and then they changed their mind. It's like, well, yeah, shouldn't we go with the latest um, information? Yeah, <laughs> like, it's good to learn something. They new. changed their mind, so <laughs> maybe we should go with that opinion. Yeah, and uh, that one also kind of kills me too, because I mean, I, I don't like on some of the earlier stuff that you know I was, you know, doing because I've been doing psychom since the beginning of the <laughs> pandemic. So what, like, got like eight months now. And we said, don't wear masks because at the time there was a huge mask shortage and there was no like handmade masks. There was no other source of facial covering really. So, you know, we said, don't wear masks because the healthcare workers were in dire need of them. And we're saying, don't go and buy a ton of N95s or a ton of surgical masks and take them away from healthcare workers. But now you can get a cloth mask. Literally, there are people selling cloth masks on the mm-hmm. street in New York City. You can pick them up. Yeah, like, they are everywhere. So now everywhere. you don't... Have, oh, yeah, there are tons of... I, I like that they have the they have little mannequin heads out. And, like, now it's getting colder. They sell hats yeah. and they have masks. <laughs> and, like, the mannequins are wearing both of them. Um, so getting back to the specifics of this, of this syndrome, or what does this... For those of you... Gabby, you and your colleagues who study the virus and the mechanisms of how the thing works, how when something like this comes up, uh, what now happens? So you work in a lab. What happens? And I'm, I'm guessing things don't change automatically. Like you have some project you're working on, you're not going to immediately drop it. But in some lab somewhere, in other words, what 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 what, what do people do now about this? Or do they just log it in their mind and? Um, so I think to be, this is going to be really heavily more focused on like the clinic mm. side where people are sick because we don't know enough about what this is doing to an entire person mm. to necessarily try to figure out what this might be like 
in cells. So this is a, you know, in the name multi-system inflammatory syndrome. So it's multiple parts of the body sort of all short-circuiting. So it's probably going to be hard to do this in cell culture because you can't have, I mean, technically you can have multiple different types of cells together, but it doesn't really fully replicate an organ. And this is multiple organs having a breakdown. So I don't necessarily think this is going to be as big of a test in the, in the lab situation. I think this is going to be really focused on people who are sick, on how to treat them, and a bunch of studies coming out of, you know, this a bunch more case studies, basically, of this person seems to be presenting mm-hmm. with Miss A. This is how we treated them. This is their outcome. And eventually it will help to cobble together an idea of what the accepted treatment would be for these guys and like what the hallmarks are of it. So I think that's really how it's probably going to focus. But if someone manages to find a good lab model of it, like there's one particular line of mice that you can get this to happen, everyone's going to jump on it. Interesting. Except the mice. They're going to run. Except the mice. Run here, another question, because we're talking all about this, this, it's this massive data gathering situation, right? And this is a global thing, and it's happening at high speed, the search for treatments and cures and even just understanding of how the thing works. How do, uh, how does all this data flow? Like if, so does a nurse, so when you're, here's all, here's all I know. You're, let's say you're a patient. Unfortunately, God forbid, you're a patient in the hospital with COVID, and there's a law kept of your right. This is what's happening. Um, is that person's law? Maybe can we? Are we able to follow the train of that data? So, how does that get to so, Dr. Fauci? For what can, so there's a couple different ways that stuff like this happens. So, say one particular patient comes in, like this gentleman who's talked about in the article. And his doctor can write essentially what's called a case study. So it's just looking at that person's particular case, some of the hallmarks of it. And the, the guy's not identified in this, which is, you know, a thing with HIPAA. You, like, you know, whenever it involves patients, they don't really give you a name because it's someone's medical mm-hmm. history and that's private. Uh, but they do give you some like demographic information in case that's important. Um, and... Eventually, other stuff gets aggravated. Aggravated where too. Some other, yeah, aggravated as well. I'm sure you know it's you know an extreme inflammatory disorder <laughs> yeah. syndrome. So yes, yeah, so I think some things get a- aggravated. But then what can then happen is sometimes medical data gets sort of aggregated of like everyone who's in the hospital in that, and then you'll see reports come out of say like potential outcomes of a whole cohort of people in the hospital. There can be studies also as well that are done with people enrolled who would be sick. And so that's something where, say, they're trying to try a treatment out. And that would be done among people who are in that hospital or multiple hospitals. But it would track their progress and put it into sort of one collective piece of data. There are also, I don't know specifically whether or not they, I don't know what their sampling methods are. But there are also sort of like data banks for the sequences of the virus that are pulled from people's samples. Ooh, the DNA. So I, I yeah, the DNA of the right, virus, right, not right. of the person. Cool. So there's not, there, there's no one out there who has your DNA unless you consent to do that. Um, 
And it's, you know, keeping a data bank of the virus. And that's how we've pulled out some really neat stuff about like the the D614G mutation, um, which is to the spike protein that seems to be, make it slightly more infectious. Just stuff like that. And so it's aggregated in different ways. Um, but as far as how scientists access it, it's a lot of reading. And it's it's one of these things that, you know, it's, there's only so many articles you can read. And so eventually someone will put out a review of a ton of articles, which sort of summarize them and knits them into more of a narrative right. that's easier. But it's, it's kind of daunting, like the sheer amount of information that comes out and the fact that because not all of it has been peer reviewed, a lot of times you have to put a lot more thought into it as you read it and really, really double check the logic on some of their, their experiments where if it's been peer reviewed, yeah, you still want to do that anyway. But maybe if you're tired, you can like skim over it a little bit more and be like, oh, I'll come back to that later before you take anything away from it. Now, now it's now you have to read a lot closer, yeah. I would say. So basically, you're, let's say you're, you're a patient in the hospital. Essentially, what happens is it seems like your name is stripped from the information. But as much of that information as possible is sent into some database. Well, it's, it's really not um, everyone. It's, it's like sometimes. I, I think it would have to... The, fish, the physician would probably have to take it on to themselves to look at it. It's not like if you go into the hospital, your data is now out there or something like that, or you're in a study. Because the, the, for the vast majority, I think, of patients, you go into the hospital and, you know, right. you go out. Um, I, I do think it is on to the physician if there is something that they are looking at. And, you know, we, we do have physician scientists, like MD, PhDs, and stuff like that, where they do run studies like this. So... I'm assuming you'd have to know. Interesting. So your data sits, just sits there in some record for the future, I suppose, if somebody want to look at it or, I guess what I'm imagining yeah. is it would make sense that all the data goes into one place. But again, <clears throat> that could be just like too much. No, it's just, I mean, this, this is what publications are for, is to put information in a place where other practitioners can get it. But the practitioners still have to actually read the material. Oh, that I understand. I'm, I'm talking about the raw data, I guess, from patients. Like, um, you know, uh, for instance, here's very, very, very basic things. The number of deaths, right? Mm -hmm. So those are obviously reported to some central location. They make their way there. Um, but then what caused that person to die is recorded somewhere else. Anyway, there's just all this data that somebody has to go and get. Um, ultimately, I think one thing for science communication is that <laughs> we talk about they, they say, <laughs> right? Well, they said masks and then they didn't, or they did this and they did that. The number of they's. There are a lot of they's. Oh, huge. <laughs> I mean, I don't, it's just another thing that people could appreciate the, the, how complex these systems of data gathering and data processing and then writing and then data comprehending. <laughs> you know, is it's extraordinary that we can do stuff as fast as we can. I mean, that's that's just um, trick or treating is coming up for those of us in the United States. It's Halloween. Uh, Matt, will your family be going trick or treating? They will not, and we will not be giving out. Um, oh, and you won't be accepting trick or treaters. Yeah. No, our. Um, our housing complex has requested that we refrain from doing such things. Oh, interesting. Yes. The greatest tragedy so far in our housing complex is that the 
typical bowl of candy that would normally be out there for the <laughs> month of October is not there. Uh, that is unfortunate. Gabby, do you trick or treat? <laughs> no, I don't. Although it was it was really nice last year. We had all like the little trick or treaters in the building come up, and they're all like, it, yeah. "Yeah, it was adorable." But no, instead we just have a. Uh, bowl full of maybe about like 300 pieces of candy that we've been steadily working through <laughs> ourselves so but see i like the scientist in you you could put a number on how many pieces of candy were in the that's bowl. Right. <laughs> they have a number on the bag <laughs> see but you notice like, the i'm just like mm -mm, that's still not enough for me more <laughs> more um yeah it is and for those outside i i'm guessing it happens in other cities but perhaps it may only be more european cities uh, like in the U.S., it isn't as common. I think one of the most amazing things to me in New York and then one of the most delightful things, and, and I'm guessing we won't have it this year, it's certainly not at the scale we usually do, is that uh, during the day, this is certainly in the city itself, um, the kids, they may or may not go house to house at night in certain neighborhoods they might, but in, in throughout the day, uh, right. You could be in any you could be in a coffee shop. You could be in a restaurant and the kids just mm -hmm. go up and down the street to all the businesses yeah. and they go in and they get a little candy and they come out. So it's like this huge public um, thing. And so that, that will be sad. We miss that. The uh, sheets are going up on the outdoor restaurants. It's actually the first time I was like, oh, that's a little bit sad as the weather is getting cold. They're becoming. I saw a lot yeah. of construction. Yeah. yeah. Like making all those like hutches. On the side, yeah. I'm, see if this works. It's not not clear to me that that's going to be a functional thing, but we'll see. You mean that it'll keep people from getting it, or that people or whether people will actually uh, want to sit in a tiny little plastic tent um, while eating their meals? But we'll see. Yeah, and I'm sure there's some. <laughs> like, I'm curious what we should look up. What 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 are the specifications for how to do that? You know, how much enclosure do they allow you to have? Mm -hmm. Right. It's probably like three walls. So. Um, but yeah, I'm seeing some things that I've are noticed like it's like three walls and then it's got like a gap. That's what I've noticed. It seems to be uh, the prevailing uh -huh. structural motif of the <laughs> Upper East Side. It's like three walls and then all around the top of the walls that there's a gap between the roof <laughs> yeah, and the wall. So just a little bit of yeah. extra ventilation. Yeah, I, I bet guess. my life on that gap for sure. <laughs> yeah, literally you bet your life on that gap. No but I, well, I do feel bad for the restaurant. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be. I'm going for takeout for the longest time. That's if I'm if I'm eating from a restaurant. Yeah. That has been my my sort of single person policy of this. Just yeah, do takeout. Takeout take is good. Um, so, uh, anything you'd like to plug? Anything coming up? Anything you want to warn people about or uh, enlighten people about? I don't know if it counts as enlightenment, but just, I don't know, try not to be too pandemic fatigued. It stinks, but basically uniformly everywhere cases are going up. So I don't know if we're hurtling towards anything, but just, you know, try not to be like, oh, I've been so good. Maybe I should go out and do X, Y, or Z. Just try to hold on. It sucks, but it's, uh, that's really yeah. all I got. <laughs> sucks but matt do you think uh, i asked this before maybe i don't know if there's an answer in 1918 did they do you think they got pandemic doubt is um, this a new thing? no i think there was some um, people were much better about taking community responsibility 
seriously and yeah. uh, we're much more disciplined both individually and as a society um, yeah. so also were, the, uh, the, I, I will say and to borrow a very ocarnal phrase the people who are saying they're pandemic out um the ones who are complaining of such a thing it is a it is something of privilege to be able to say oh that. yes That's right. right oh yeah and we, it's it's yeah. very I was going to say, it's very frustrating as a scientist of like, I, I understand not understanding disease from like a molecular sense, but you know, we've had the privilege of science, like basically solving this problem for us. So most people, it's just like this far away concept. Like most people have never had a family member die of a disease in like the mm -hmm. prime of their life. Like, you know, you're not struck down with, at, le at least in, you know, the United States, people aren't struck down by tuberculosis that often or you know, smallpox, you know, because we eradicated that or, or polio. And so it's just sort of this long, long lost ghost. And now that it's coming back, it's an inconvenience. But, you know, a million people have died. So it's, it's like, come yeah, on. Yeah. like No, it's incredible. <laughs> and uh, on The Daily Show, uh, comic uh, satire show we have, uh, I'm sure everyone knows, in the United States, okay. uh, he was saying, um, he was like, you know, did people get Nazi'd out? During World War II, ah, you know, I'm so tired of the Nazis. I mean, I'm sure people were tired of the Nazis, no doubt. <laughs> no one was like, I'm going home because I'm tired of the Nazis. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Everyone understood it was important. So, uh, uh, yeah, stay with it. And I think, again, I think uh, I have to say, I think it's a question of leadership. You know, leadership can bring people together, focus everyone on the mission. And actually, it's something we can feel good about. Right. I mean, almost always disasters, as horrible as they are, and we've lived through view of nothing like this but um uh people come together that that community spirit you were talking about is fantastic so mm -hmm. uh for whatever that's worth uh vote for those of us in the united states go vote if you're in other democracies too go vote <laughs> yeah that's right you can vote <laughs> and, you know, yeah. yeah parliaments go for it uh if you're not in a democracy um i'll send you an absentee ballot <laughs> You can vote for your to vote your dictator out, and good luck to everyone in Belarus taking down dictators. Those of us who don't live in such a place, let's do our best to stop from having to get to that situation. So November third is the thing. Uh, I did an absentee ballot. Oh, good. Yes. What about you, Matt? Are you going to go in person? No, I'll, I'll be voting in person. All right, Gabby, are you going in person or by mail? Oh, Gabby has entirely lost audio. Bring out to her. Bring out to her. It's all right. Gabby abstains. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you all for uh, tuning in. Send us your questions. Feedback at whattheif.com. Uh, you can also go to our website, whattheif.com, and uh, see this, uh, oh, see, and listen to mostly listen to you can watch it not a lot's going to happen as you're looking at it but uh, all our episodes are there going way back um uh, for what the, if news going back to at least i should count up how many episodes oh, we've had we've been doing March, this a while yeah, right? yeah since the beginning of the pandemic um gabby's been helping us enormously which is why her her voice just went like, she just couldn't take it anymore electronically um and we will on behalf of gabby panicia and all of those <laughs> Who have been muted, uh, and of those of you at New York University, Matt Stanley, I bid you good week, be well, keep in touch. Bye.